on the job with Francis Leach and Sally Rugg. On the job, the podcast all about making your working life better. Francis Leach with you. How are you? It feels like a new day. We're less than a week after confirmation that Anthony Albanese is leading a new Labor government here in Australia, and there's a lot of expectation and a lot of work to be done, no doubt, particularly for workers who are struggling with the cost of living, with low wages, the cost of housing, all of the issues we've been talking about throughout the campaign. So we need a bit of a reset here as well. So what we've done, we sat down with Michelle O'Neill, the president of the ACTU, She herself worked tirelessly, like all of our colleagues throughout the campaign, travelling around the country, talking to workers and families about the challenges they're facing and their expectations of a new government. So I thought we should have a conversation about what that might look like and what we need to do as workers and unionists and people who are interested in progressive ideas to make sure that this government delivers. Here's my conversation with ACTU President Michelle O'Neill. Michelle, wow. Francis, <laughs> can you believe it? Oh, my God. It is, um, it's a great week. Yeah. Uh, we're only a few days in, but the fact that we've changed the government is a mighty victory for working people and for people who care about having a better country. And it feels different, you know, the air feels different, sun's out feels pretty good. It does feel good. Just take us through election night, just on a personal <laughs> level. You know, you do all that campaigning, you work really, really hard, and it gets to a certain point where there's nothing more you can do and you just have to wait. Where were you and how did you cope? <laughs> well, look, we were here at the ACTU with multiple television screens and whiteboards and uh, keeping track of what was going on. And it was a bit tough at the yeah. beginning there. It was a tough hour or so. And then it became clearer and clearer that there was going to be a change of government and and a victory for the Labor Party and for Anthony Albanese and his crew. And so it was still tense because we'd all been through 2019 and we were very hopeful that really until those figures started to come through from Mm. WA where it really cemented it, we were a bit, you know, waiting for the moment. And then, of course, we went up to uh, Vic, Trades Hall, and there was a big party up there. <laughs> yeah, and no, no, that, that, was, that was great. It was pretty wild, but it was great to see so many people celebrating and getting together and recognising how hard they'd worked in the campaign. Yeah, 10 years in the making that party, so you can imagine it was going to be a good one. It was good. You did a lot of campaigning. You did a lot of miles going to communities all around Australia talking to working people. Uh, you probably had a little bit of chance to reflect on what your impressions were of the campaign and the mood in the country and the expectations that people have. What, what are the, you know, the things that are foremost in your mind about Well, looking back at it now, it seems really clear to me that people had completely lost trust and confidence in Scott Morrison. There was just that sense that this guy abandoned us when we needed him. Uh, And that was everywhere. Like that really strong feeling that this was someone that couldn't be trusted, that, you know, not just in terms of bushfires and floods, but, you know, ignoring the reality for working people about what was happening with wages and cost of living, even not even thinking people deserved a dollar an hour. Like those issues were out there. So Scott Morrison and then cost of living and wages were the issues that everywhere I went people were talking about angry or worried about Mm. and really concerned about what it meant for their future but also what it meant today like a lot of working people struggling 
a lot of people in the insecure work just not making enough to be able to do what they needed to do to look after themselves and their family and that causing enormous hardship for people. So there was anger towards Scott Morrison. There was a sense that something had to be done around wages, cost of living. And, of course, the other one that was coming through a lot as well was about women and women feeling that, you know, this was a government that disrespected them. Mm. This was a government that wasn't committed to trying to make us more equal. And this was a government that really didn't understand what violence and harassment meant for so many women in the country. So I think those were the powerful things. Morrison, wages, cost of living, and then what was happening for women. And the other one I'd mentioned that that came through, of course, is a lot of people are really concerned about climate. And I think, and what's happening with that climate and what that means for our future, for our kids' future, but also for their jobs. And that was an issue that a lot of people were worried about. Yeah, you managed, uh, the union movement and uh, workers in general managed to make wages and uh, life at work central to the campaign in a way that it probably hasn't been since the Work Choices campaign of 2007. Like, it was the key talking point. So when you think back on that, what was the key for us as unionists and activists to making sure that that stayed in the middle of the campaign? Well, I think listening to workers, so making sure that we were really listening to what people were telling us about what was happening in your life, unpacking statistics and having real workers' voices and experience of what it meant to be having, let's think of an aged care worker, Mm. you know, what it meant to have gone through the pandemic, worked so hard, been at such risk, done such important work, but then not to be valued, not to have anyone agree that you needed a good pay increase, not to have the government agree that you needed a good pay increase, not to recognise that you needed more secure work to be able to do your job properly. Like that sense of having workers' experience listened to and then told Mm. in the campaign, I think was the most important thing. And also for us, talking to people in workplaces. Some people like you and I pay a lot of attention to what's going on in politics, but a lot of people don't. So that idea of making sure that we can have conversations where people are, Mm. not expect them to be, you know, reading the ins and outs of what's in a few papers about it, but just conversations with people they trust in their workplaces, I reckon that was the other key thing. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It felt like people felt like they were heard for the first time in a long time and that was reflected back in the way that the union movement campaigned in the way that that was then sort of fed up the tree to those contesting those seats. So that's a key lesson out of this, isn't it, in terms of what we do as activists and unionists is to make sure that we maintain that connection, those conversations with people about what's really happening in their lives. I think that's right and also knowing that you can't just do that in an election campaign. Yes. Like, a few, a few uh, you know, that, didn't absolutely, they? <laughs> they did. Like, what we know as unionists is that to win change, it's never fast. You know, you have to build a campaign, you have to work at it. And the fact that we've been working for a long time now about this issue for, about insecure work, and really that the government, that Scott Morrison and his government had this denial they were in complete they kept trying to argue with us as if there wasn't a problem and everywhere we went every sector workplace had a story to tell about casual work contract work labor hire jobs you know gig economy it was everywhere and the more that they were in denial about it the more it became clear to us that this was affecting everybody and then of course when cost of living started to go up as well the connection between those two things because we'd done a lot of work 
around exposing what was happening about insecure work, the combination of what that then meant for people who didn't know how much they were going to earn week to week when their wages were already low and not keeping up with the cost of living was powerful. So the work really begins now, doesn't it, in lots of ways. Uh, There's a change in government, but now we need to see that change happens. So for those who want to keep on the campaign trail as such and make sure that our promises are met, what should we be doing? You know what? I'm just going to say one other thing. The other thing that I think was really important we learned is people have got to believe it's possible to be better, yeah. like that change can happen because it's one thing to talk about how bad things are, but it was important that there were clear statements made by the Labor Party around what they would do differently around supporting people with rising costs, about what they would do about insecure work. So the fact that there was real proposals and plans that would make a difference was really important too because you can't just talk about how bad things are. You've got to give people and know there's a genuine sense that it could be different and that governments can do something, you know, instead of throw their hands up or go to Hawaii. So, um, <laughs> but back on uh, what well, your question was about lessons. Yeah, you know, yeah. what changes it doesn't happen just because we change the government. We've got to, in some sense, you know, go to work to make sure that those changes are seen through. So, you know, what should people be doing? Well, what I know is the election is only one step. And what we know as unionists is that we only ever win change when we keep campaigning and see the change enacted. So you see the change in law, you see the change in rights, and you breathe that into workplaces. And so when workers can breathe that is the way I think about it. When they see it in their life, then that's when you know you've won. So the election is a great win and a moment to celebrate, but it's not the end of our campaign because what we have learned is that you have to keep campaigning until you really see the effect. And it's much better to be in a position where there's a basic respect and, and of course, we want to work really constructively with the Albanese government and and there is a good base to do that, but we're unionists and we know that you never stop campaigning until you see the result. Michelle, thank you so much. Thank you for all the campaigning you've done over the last three years as we've uh, come up to Election Day and I know that as we build uh, towards uh, another term in government for Labor that we'll keep the pressure on to make sure that they deliver on the promises they made. We will, Francis. I just want to thank everybody who might have been listening to this to say for every single person who was part of this and who worked so hard to deliver it um, in whatever way you did, thanks, because we're a pretty mighty movement and uh, what we did together was made the difference. This is On The Job with Francis Leach and Sally Rudd. ACTU President Michelle O'Neill with us here on The Job. Thanks for listening. Sally will be joining us again next week as well. Uh, AustralianUnions.org.au is where you need to go for all your information about becoming a union member. Always the best way to look after your rights at work. And that's it for this week. I'll catch you on the next one. Bye for now.